Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Another Mother, a parenting podcast by My Spring Harvest with me, Emma Borquay. If you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know a bit of the backstory. But for those that don't know, Another Mother is just a place for us to get some of our big parenting questions answered as I speak to other people who are further ahead on the journey of raising children or maybe people that are also at a similar stage as me. So we've had some brilliantly insightful conversations so far and some very funny ones too. I would actually love to know what have been your favorite conversations so far if you've listened or watched via YouTube the whole way through. So please do just leave a comment on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify, drop me a message on Instagram. I'm just at Emma Borquay or you can at Spring Harvest and one of the team there will also be able to see what your favorite podcast episode has been so far. I would absolutely love to know. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different because we are going to be speaking quite specifically about prayer. Now, I wanted to delve a bit deeper into this after I watched an episode of The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have seen it before. It's on Netflix. I love it. But anyway, there's an episode where Jesus appears to Simon Peter's wife And he sees her in the mundane, in her frustration, in her loneliness. Also, her mother is really ill. And so she's worried about that. And he speaks strength and life and validation to her. And it just, it made me cry when I watched it for the first time. And I've watched it back multiple times since. But I just really felt like, wow, Jesus actually really sees us. Not just when we're in church, not just serving our communities, not just in worship, but Jesus actually sees us in our day to day, standing in our kitchens. He sees us in our worries, sees us in our fears, in the hard, long, just difficult parts of life, and maybe even the easy parts too. But he really, really cares about us. And it made me reflect and think that even though (laughs) Jesus might not necessarily appear to all of us in our kitchens, although maybe he will one day, um, we get to experience this same connection to God through prayer, which is something that I often unfortunately neglect, if I'm being very honest. So I really want this like closeness to God, like the the closeness that I saw in The Chosen, but I feel like sometimes the demands of daily life and barely getting a moment to think just makes this so challenging for me. And I know it's very challenging for so many people. So A few months ago, I came across this book called Liturgies for Hope, and it's been so eye-opening for me because liturgical prayer, I think that's what it's called, had never actually been something I've done before. I had assumptions, probably misconceptions about what it is, but seeing liturgy in this format of this beautiful yellow book, (laughs) it felt like an answer to prayer. And it was actually a prayer that I hadn't even prayed. So to have something that was able to just like speak what is buried deep in my heart and have the right words for it. And I was able to just simply open it up and read it out loud. And it was just changing something within me. And I think prayer changes so much anyway, doesn't it? It softens our heart. It helps our minds. It protects our children. It gives us strength. It gives us a place to process and connects us to something greater than ourselves when we feel like we're carrying so much on our shoulders. So this book was really incredible for me. And I cannot sit here and say that I'm now like the most prayerful person, even though I've actually been a Christian for the majority of my life. I think when you have just big life changes, 
changes in any area but especially with having children so much shifts around you and within you that sometimes it is necessary for certain things certain basic things like prayer to be relearned so I do feel like I am brand new to prayer again I'm learning how to pray learning to walk this journey with God learning to be in like day-to-day conversation with him so today I decided I wanted to speak to two incredible women all the way in New York. Guys, this podcast is going international. So we're speaking today to Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore, who are the authors of Liturgies for Hope, because I wanted to seek a bit of an education in prayer and liturgy and just learn a bit more how it can be so transformational, especially through parenthood. So let's go. Hello, guys. Yay. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for being on here. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. I went for a walk earlier this morning and I still have pollen in my eyes. So that's <laughs> one weird thing that's going on today. But it's a beautiful it's time of year. Doing really well. Yeah. So for those that don't know who are listening, I'm actually speaking to Elizabeth and Audrey all the way from New York right now. So the time for them is like the morning, but for us, it's the afternoon. So I'm a bit like, uh, and they're like nice and fresh for the day. <laughs> Just, Just have like coffee. coffee. <laughs> like, Gee, this is the best time of the day for me. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Oh, same. Um, what, so what is it that you guys do in your day-to-day lives? besides being authors. Should we start with you, Audrey? Sure. Yes. So I'm Audrey and I am an editor by day. So I work for a website called Sparknotes, which um, I think is international. So um, that's what I do by day. I work with classic literature. Um, I edit other writers' work. And then by night, I am the writer with Elizabeth as my co-author. So it is fun to wear both hats. And I do fully understand my editors, um, like (laughs) her work whenever she's, you know, changing things in her book or like in my work in the manuscript. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would do that too. (laughs) That's great. And what about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I also work in publishing. So I work for Penguin Random House, which is one of the publishing houses here in New York. And I work on uh, vintage and anchor paperbacks. So I work for the publisher doing a variety of like salesy type things. So um, it's very fun to be in the book world for my nine to five job, as well as in like the more creative side of, of writing books on the side. So we're just surrounded by words and literature in our lives. <laughs> yeah, I was so. Let's talk a little bit about Liturgies for Hope because I love this book and recently I actually shared like a little picture of one of the liturgies on my Instagram and I already knew from the minute that I shared it that about 100 people were going to be like what is this book what is this book what is it so this very next story I shared like the front cover of the book and um loads of people had like messaged from the first one being like what's this book and then messaged again straight away oh okay don't worry I can see (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you love it that's great it's like, it's such a beautiful book. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about how it came about? Sure. Yeah, I can tell that story. Um, we can we can split it up, Elizabeth. Um, so it's important to say that it was never meant to be a book. Um, it's kind of a surprise to both of us that we're even talking about it as a book. Um, so the original idea for Liturgies for Hope was birthed during the 
COVID pandemic in March 2020. So Elizabeth and I both live in New York, and we were living in New York at the time, and it was a very scary place to be living because, you know, as as we all know, it became labeled the global epicenter of the pandemic. Um, it's such a small place with so many people packed together, so there's just a lot of people getting sick. And it was just a very scary time, and we were looking around at our own community, and we were just seeing a lot of fear. We were looking inside of ourselves, and we were seeing a lot of fear. And so I reached out to Elizabeth, and I was like, what if we, because we both love words, we both love writing, we had already connected over that as friends, I was like, what if we wrote some prayers for our church? And what if they were centered on the very specific anxieties that everyone is experiencing right now? And so those first prayers were centered on like physical health and people who are having trouble sleeping, people who missed loved ones, people who didn't know what to do. Um, and so we just spent a weekend and we split up the topics and we just wrote because we had no other plans. So what else are you going to do in a global pandemic? And so we really wrote the prayers for ourselves. Um, I know that I was writing the words that I needed to hear and we were turning to scripture to base every line on truth um, just because we didn't have it in ourselves to come up with truth. <laughs> we needed to be reminded of what God was saying in that very confusing time. And yeah, and then we gave them to our church and we were like, do whatever you want with them. It'd be awesome if they went into the church newsletter. And, and that was as far as we dreamed. <laughs> Um, so I'll let Elizabeth take it from there, but um, the original intention was to write prayers for really like ourselves, our friends, people in New York who were struggling as the entire world was. Yeah. And I also remember this, Audrey, as you were talking, our church at the time, this was like three years ago, which is crazy, um, but mm -hmm. we had this burgeoning artistic community that was really developing and like I feel like now it's very much thriving like there's a, a community at Church of the City called uh, Renaissance and it's so established and wonderful but three years ago it was just starting and so we were being really encouraged to use our creative giftings to serve the church to serve outside the church to kind of like create something brand new that maybe has never been done before as a way mm -hmm. to like get through the pandemic as a way to like bring beauty forth during a time of like turmoil. So that was Audrey and I's kind of offering. We were like, okay, we're writers. We can write. There was a lot of creatives around us in our church that were doing their own craft in isolation. So that this was kind of like what we decided to do anyway. So yeah. So what Audrey said, we wrote the liturgies in a weekend. We gave them to our creative team director. And I think we just kind of forgot about them, honestly. Like they, <laughs> they, they sent one out in the newsletter and then we had a, a website the website designer build a website for them, which was beautiful. And then our pastor, John Tyson, wanted to launch the website on Easter Sunday as a gift to the church. And so that happened, which was really exciting. Um, and then I guess months later, like six months later, we get an email from an editor in the UK, <laughs> Elizabeth Neep, <laughs> who I think you know, Emma. Yeah. And she was just like, hey, like, can I be put in touch with the writers of, of these liturgies that live online? Um, I'd love to talk to them about making this into a book. And so that was the first Audrey and I had ever thought of. That was the first time we ever considered them being a book. And both of us working in publishing, like we know what goes into publishing a book. So I was just kind of like, okay, that's cute. Like, that's, that's fine. I really did not get my hopes up because I just, you know, see writers get rejected every day. Um, 
<laughs> it's just a normal part of life. <laughs> but, like, just one door, con- like, the doors continued to be opened. And um, Elizabeth helped us um, just get the ball rolling with writing a book proposal and finding an agent and getting a, a book deal in the U.S. and then in the U.K. And so it's just been, like, a really fun very fun, unexpected process. We love mm-hmm. it. It's incredible. I'm so glad that it kind of, you went the whole way through the process and you actually did make it become a yeah. real, like tangible, physical thing you right. can hold because I think it's amazing that they're online as well to begin with and probably able to be reached into so many people's lives but then to have it on your shelf is so special because even for me it's like next to my bed and Mm -hmm. some days I'll wake up and I'll just be like uh I don't I don't even know what to think I don't know how to feel I like can't gather my thoughts and I'm just like let me just open and have a little read and it Mm -hmm. does something to your soul I don't I can't even describe it (laughs) it's like putting words to so many thoughts and feelings but Honestly, until I had ever kind of picked up your book, I was of the belief that liturgies are were just like really religious and they weren't kind of like personal prayers. They were just words that were maybe said as part of a service um, mm-hmm. that you just recited because you had to. Um, but definitely since seeing your book, my mind has completely changed. But can you describe for us how how you would describe liturgy and what is there a difference in, from liturgy to prayer like why is it the book not called prayers for hope why is it liturgy yeah. for hope wow yeah i am um, the first thing i think of when i think of what a liturgy is is it's something that is meant to be repeated for formation so i think the difference between prayer and liturgy liturgy is prayer but not all prayer is liturgy. I think that's correct. Um, so, a, so yeah, so a liturgy is, is a prayer, but it is, it's meant to be um, repeated either corporately or individually so that your heart is formed into the state that you would like it to be formed into. So like, say you're feeling like afraid or anxious and you want to be, to like bring yourself into this like peaceful state, but you're just not there yet. Like a liturgy repeated over time or even just in a moment can be something that like begins that journey and like begins you starting down the path towards the peace that you're longing for. So I think it's very, it's meant to be very structured. Um, it's meant to be very grounding. Um, and it is meant to provide shared language for, uh, a request for an anxiety for whatever you're wanting but yeah Audrey what would yeah. you say yeah I agree with all of that um so I was the same where I really had no familiarity with liturgy um I thought it was a very outdated irrelevant term which um like now I love it and so um I think it just like took me learning about what liturgy actually is to get to that place And so I heard someone describe liturgy as really just look at your life. Anything that you do repeatedly over and over is a liturgy because it's forming you. And so they use the example of doing the dishes. You do your dishes every single day, or if you're like me, every single other day. (laughs) And it's something that you're, you're doing and you might as well like invite God into it because it's going to form you. And so in Liturgies for Hope, our book, we also like in, in, 
in addition to the big life things like heartbreak, fear, sickness, we also took those ordinary life moments like going on a walk, taking your lunch break, and we tried to put words around those as well so that when you know anyone is doing that over the course of a week, maybe each day they're getting closer to God and maybe each day like they can just repeat a line of the prayer, not the whole prayer, but just a line of the prayer. Um, which is based on scripture and just like embrace God in that moment. So when you're sitting down for lunch, which we do every single day, like how can we invite um, God to sit next to us in that practice? So that's liturgy. (laughs) That's amazing. So would you um, kind of recommend a good way to go about kind of um, reading liturgies and praying those liturgical prayers is to do it alongside the same kind of activity every day so it becomes like quite a habit yeah Mm. I think so and I think it's a way to even form your thoughts subconsciously like if you are when you go to wash the dishes like reading a liturgy for washing your dishes which I don't actually think we have but let's use the going for a walk (laughs) one like if you read the liturgy for going on a walk each time you go for a walk then you begin to like your thoughts begin to go down that path more uh voluntary involuntarily um yeah, so it's kind of a way to form your thoughts. Like first you you like tell your thoughts what to think and then your thoughts just kind of get on board. And then um, that's like the where you default to is like a line of scripture or um, a line from the liturgy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's so incredibly helpful for, I think everybody is busy in so many different ways. I feel like it, when you ask somebody, how are you? The first response from most people, regardless of where they're at in life is, oh yeah, I'm just really busy. Um, yeah. And so I think where well, that's kind of a common thread for us all, to have something that you can read aloud or memorize or yeah, just go back to time and time again, takes that kind of choice factor away that tends to take a lot of time and maybe results in us doing nothing at all especially when it comes to our relationship with God we can overthink Mm. it and over like um put too much pressure on all the things that we need to do but this really simplifies it so is there a way um maybe for you Audrey that you personally use liturgy in your own life yeah great question um so like I said before, like I just kind of have taken stock of my life where I'm doing things repeatedly and I'm just like, okay, can this be holy? Can making my bed every single morning be holy? Is that liturgy? Um, but when it comes to words, what I have found is that um, certain lines from like liturgies for hope, the prayers we wrote have like started popping up in life as I start experiencing different things. So like, um, So one thing that I struggle with is anxiety, just about anything, (laughs) name it, and I'm anxious about it. And so Elizabeth has this beautiful liturgy that she wrote in Liturgies for Hope. And I've found that there's this line in there that I repeat in my head, and it's just one line. And it's, we will not look for death where you have proclaimed life, which I love. So great job, Elizabeth. (laughs) And it's like... Something about that, like what I do is I'll just repeat a phrase and I know that phrase is based off truth. I know it's based off scripture and I'll just like repeat it almost as a mantra in my head and it really gets me like centered and feeling more peaceful and it's kind of just speaking the truth over whatever lie is is really loud in my head. It's like a whispered truth um, that's stronger than the lie. And so that's how I use liturgy is really if I'm just like walking around the city or I'm, you know, sitting down doing work. And if something is 
like distracting me or overwhelming me or causing me to feel anxious, I'll just repeat a line of truth. And usually that does the trick. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's what we believe about scripture is that we memorize it, not because we have to, or because there's pressure to, but because it's so good for us <laughs> to have truth readily accessible in our minds that we can access anytime we need it. And so I feel like that's, that's where it's been popping up the most in my life. I love that. What about you, um, Elizabeth? Yeah, I was going to say for me, I feel like I turn to liturgy when I am just too tired to formulate my own thoughts or kind of what you're referring to, Emma, when you're too overwhelmed or too like, you know, you need to pray about something. You feel unsettled in your spirit about something, or maybe you've just woken up and you haven't, you have no capacity or brain space to think a coherent thought, like, (laughs) but you still want to connect to God or you still want to like put your thoughts on like a healthy trajectory. And so I'll pull out a liturgy in those times where I need words given to me. Um, and I don't have the energy to form them myself. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so I'd say liturgy comes in handy first thing in the morning, for sure, when my brain is still powering up. Um, and then times where I'm deeply disoriented, where like my emotions are getting are way louder than my rational thinking, where I'm having so many complex emotions that I don't know what I'm feeling or thinking, and I don't even know what to ask for. Um, when I'm going through like a circumstance that maybe I've never gone through before or gone through to this extent before. And so I've never had to come up with a prayer for this before. And that's something that Mm -hmm. Audrey and I try to do in our book is to, to give liturgies for kind of some unique experiences as well. So there's Audrey wrote a liturgy for going through a breakup or contemplating a breakup, which was very helpful for me at one point in my life. (laughs) And then, um, uh, yeah. So things like that, where it's like, I, this is hard and I don't know, I've never done this before, or I haven't done this in a long time. I need to pray about this, but like, how, like, what do I pray? Except like, I hate this. (laughs) Like, that's kind of what I've got. All I've got is stop. I hate this. Um, so liturgy is helpful when you just don't have the words. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love your honesty as well. (laughs) Um, So you've both kind of explained a bit about how liturgy is very rooted in biblical truth and scripture. So what is the process of writing a liturgy and do you have to be like ordained to write one <laughs> I don't know if that's really good. <laughs> it's not a silly no. question but um I don't know who makes the rules but we are not ordained yeah. to write liturgies I don't We're know if there girlies. are rules I'm sh- actually I'm sure there are rules in no, certain church I'm, denominations I'm sure there's but... not <laughs> We met up our own. Excellent question, though. Maybe we should have researched more. <laughs> um, but that's a great question. So how do you write a liturgy? Um, so Elizabeth and I just wrote a second book of liturgies, actually, which comes out in 2024. And so we are fresh, hot off the press of writing more. Um, and so really, I think our process might be unique, but we look at our own lives and we see, okay, what are the areas in our life where we need a prayer? where maybe a prayer doesn't already exist. Um, So what would be really helpful? And so we'll just use the breakup liturgy example. So I had never seen a prayer for contemplating a breakup before. And I have experienced that feeling. And I was like, hmm, I really wish I had words around this. Like when you feel all swirly with doubt 
and it could go either way. Like maybe the guy's not that bad, but he's not like the one for you. Like, what do you do when you're in that weird (laughs) murky middle place? (laughs) So anyway, so let's just go with that topic idea. Um, So really we started with the idea and then, um, so for me, I, I would usually go on a walk to start the writing process. So I wouldn't even pick up the pen. I would just go in the morning and walk around and kind of let that loosen up my thoughts and, you know, go on the walk with God, ask him what he thought about the topic, um, see if any inspiration struck and then come back and start writing and, Um, I would start by looking at scripture and so seeing, okay, like what does, what does God have to say about this particular topic? Does God have anything to say about breakups when, when it's not marriage, when it's dating? Um, turns out there's not much about it. Um, but there are related (laughs) verses. So, so like verses about wisdom, like, okay, what wisdom, like what is the wisdom we could ask for and what does scripture say about that? Um, and then also turning to other writers. So other poets, other theologians, other, um, storytellers who have written on that topic. And so it's like combining all of that and then our own experiences onto the page, I feel like is what, um, the liturgy is. And I think Elizabeth and I have always just always wanted to be honest and to never sugarcoat the liturgy. So as we're writing one, we want to like honestly write out the thoughts that we're feeling and not, um, not pretend to be more okay than we are (laughs) because God doesn't need us to pretend that we're fine if we're not fine. So, so I think honesty was also the guiding, um, principle that we went by because we also wanted readers to pick it up. Anyone who needs that prayer to feel seen, um, and it's, it doesn't make anyone feel seen when you use cheesy sugar-coated language. So, yeah. What about you, Elizabeth? How do you write a liturgy? Yeah. <clears throat> I, um, my process was very similar. I, I would begin by handwriting in my journal, just like all, well, all of my heart, like about that. And so it would start out, even though the, the end product of a liturgy is pretty structured and has a, a form to it and every word is there on purpose, the first draft was just like a pouring out of my heart. And I would just like sit and journal all of my thoughts because like Audrey said, honesty was kind of one of our guiding principles of like, I, if anything, I want this liturgy to be honest. I want to come from a place of honesty. I don't want to act like I have it more together than I do. I want to get really in touch with like the actual emotions that I feel or that someone might feel when they're going through a certain circumstance. And we want to like come from that place. Um, So yeah, so I would just handwrite and journal and then, um, and then go to scripture and, and exactly what Audrey said, look like, what does God have to say about this either exact thing or something related that could speak into kind of Mm -hmm. a more unique situation that's not directly addressed in scripture. And then I'd just like handwrite what I'm finding in the word and then try to like pair those things together. So then I would, I would usually start the liturgy by like an outpouring of honesty, which is very similar to the Psalms. I mean, essentially liturgies are Psalms. Um, and we see so many of the Psalms, like David or whoever the Psalmist is starts out with like something very honest, like, like a cry of fear or a cry for help or a cry for like, I feel abandoned or whatever. And so I'd usually start my liturgies with just like an outpouring of honesty and like a, a, like bringing into light, the reality of what I'm feeling. And then I would 
go into like speaking to my soul, the truth. So then like, what does scripture say about this? Who is the God that is with me? What is his character like? Um, what are the promises that he has said? Um, and then getting to the end of the liturgy being like, you know, telling my soul, like what there is to hope in. Um, and, and there are rarely, if ever answers, <laughs> like, it's not like we get to the end of the liturgy and we're like, Oh, and here's like, here's how it's going to all be okay. Like it's not, <laughs> it might not be okay or it might not be okay today. And so I think the purpose of a liturgy is to provide kind of like this, this like, I don't know, rhythm, rhythmic, like hopeful, um, tool to like go back to, to pray while you're going through the thing. Um, and it's a, it's a relational tool as well. Like it's a way to talk to God and let him talk to you. It's like a, a relation, a communication medium, I guess, um, to, to be connected to God in the midst of like a difficult time. I don't hope that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, that hundred percent makes sense. And I think like what you said, there's not always an answer to our prayers yeah. straight away, but actually in saying out a prayer, you get that sense of peace that surpasses all understanding that you might still have no answer. You still have no way to decide whether to break up with that person or not. You still (laughs) just don't know what you're going to do, or maybe the situation is still the way it is, but you've set out a prayer and it, it does fill your soul with a peace and kind of a deep joy that isn't necessarily a big smile on your face and super happy, Mm. but just that comfort in your father's arms just being like Mm -hmm. okay yeah it's all going to be okay um yeah so yeah no that's amazing and I know you kind of just teased us a little (laughs) bit with the news of your new book um I don't know if you're allowed to say much about it yet are we allowed to know a title yes yes we can know a title (laughs) it's uh called liturgies for wholeness Ooh. So just a companion piece to Liturgies for Hope. And this, the second volume specifically addresses um, the things that make a per- make up a whole person. So there's liturgies for the body, for the mind, for the heart, for the soul, um, as well as for the home, for the community and for the world. Oh, that is amazing. And I know I've asked you like a few times. I think I asked you when I first met you if you've got a liturgy for motherhood. And then I asked you again. <laughs> Um, yes. you've you're, you've written one haven't you um that will be mm-hmm. in your new book or things along the yeah. lines of parent right. life yeah yes in the do. new book we have three I think and Audrey let me know if I'm forgetting any but we definitely have a liturgy for a new parent a liturgy mm-hmm. for a weary parent <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we also Audrey wrote a beautiful liturgy for the loss of pregnancy so maybe parents who yeah have lost a child Audrey did I forget any we changed the name of one glory in the mundane a liturgy for glory in the mundane to a liturgy for a day at home I think yeah that's right stay at home parents yes it's basically a liturgy for stay at home parents and it can and it can apply to to anyone but it's called a liturgy for an ordinary day at home I love that. That is so brilliant. Okay, well, that will be out in 2024. So everybody mm-hmm. mark that in your calendars, just the whole year. Okay, just mark out the whole, the whole year. Whole year. <laughs> it's February, so if you need a little bit more, yeah. It'll be in okay, I just didn't want to get you in trouble with your publishers, you know. Um, no. <laughs> but no, that is so exciting. So um, now I've mentioned that this episode is a little bit different to our usual. Um, and so I would love to like take a moment for anybody that's listening 
to just wherever you are, whether you're driving, whether you are washing dishes, whether you are, I don't know, on the school run, you're walking, you're, you're surrounded by children, whatever it is that you're doing when you're listening <laughs> to this, or maybe you're at work, um, just take a minute to tune in because I'm going to ask either Audrey or Elizabeth, they can decide who wants to read it, to read one of my favorite liturgies from the book, um, which is the liturgy for the fear of missing out. And the reason that I really want them to read this one is because for me personally, fear of missing out has just been something that has like marked me <laughs> in motherhood where because you're constantly in that place of you want to be doing other things maybe you want to go and hang out with your friends maybe you want to go out to work or you just you want to do something else and then as soon as you're doing it you're like oh I'm missing my kids I need to be with my kids and mm. you you feel constantly torn between these two worlds and you're not sure how to make them collide and you feel like kind of you're always missing something um so this liturgy when I read it was so powerful for me there's so many amazing lines in it that you're about to hear um but it was just such a special thing for me to read and to listen to and well listen to as I said it out loud um so now if one of the lovely ladies would like to read it that would be wonderful go for it Elizabeth (laughs) this is a liturgy for the fear of missing out Come, O limitless God, into the gap between us and the places we long to be. Though our spirits were made for eternity, our bodies are bound up in time, and the finality of the present can feel like too much to bear. We long to rearrange time and space, chronology and cosmos, to sample the endless array of opportunities before us. We ache with curiosity to peer into the moments we can't see. Perhaps this is our greatest act of trust, to release all that we will never experience and trust that being where we are is enough. O Lord, may we not be afraid of missing out, worrying that our lives may somehow diminish in value. May we not be afraid of missing our purpose, toiling frantically as though we were already behind, but may we trust the pace of our lives to you. For though we plan our steps, you infuse them with meaning. We trust you, O God, with all that we will never know. May we embrace the sacred rhythm of choice, perceiving when it is time to say yes and discerning when it is time to say no. May we not be afraid to forego an event, an assignment, or a relationship if it is not the best use of our time, our gifts, or our energy. Grant us the humility to know when our presence is not required and open our eyes to your direction if we need to change course. May we hear your voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. So here are our bodies, Lord. Here are our calendars. Here are our careers and accomplishments. We are your workmanship. Like clay, we are the malleable materials of your hand. Form us now into handcrafted vessels equipped to complete the good works you have prepared for us. All that we have done and left undone is yours. Everywhere we go and desire to go is yours. May we release ourselves from the burden of infinite unknowns and uncover the riches of joy hidden deep inside the hearts of contentment. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you reading that out. And I thank you on behalf of everybody that's ever read your book, I think, for just putting so much of your heart and your soul into putting these prayers together um, and being able to just connect with so many people across the world and give words to um, people's issues that they might not otherwise ever have found the words for. Um, So yeah, just thank you so much for that. And thank you for spending time with us today on the Another Mother podcast and sharing all of your wisdom. And we look (laughs) forward to seeing your book in 2024. Yay. Oh, thanks, Emma. This has been such a delight. I hope you loved today's episode and if you want to read that liturgy for yourself just head over to myspringharvest.org create your free account and you'll see the article that I've just posted there which includes this beautiful liturgy for the fear of missing out that Elizabeth read for us and also a very very quick public service announcement from me. Spring Harvest is back at Butlins for 2024 and bookings are now open. So if you've not been before and you're wondering what it's all about, it is an exciting and safe space for you to find spiritual refreshment. It's a brilliant place to go with your family, hear God's voice, be inspired to go back to your homes and your cities to make a difference. It really is the perfect holiday it's in april so it's like around easter time there is so much inspiration the church is equipped for action and there is a little bonus that i know that you parents are really going to be interested in there's no camping and there's a swimming pool and an amazing kids adventure area thing so i think i've said enough i hope i've sold it to you (laughs) head to springharvest.org to find out a bit more okay i'll see you next time Thank you so much for listening to Another Mother. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and we would absolutely love your help in spreading the word about this podcast. So please do share it with your friends, share it with other parents, other mums that you may know, mums-to-be, parents-to-be, just anybody that you think might enjoy it. Thank you.